So far away, Lucas, an audience at home, welcome once again to the Wiki Weekdays podcast, uh, the podcast where myself, Cal Smallwood, and my co-host, who is off camera and off screen for me, Lucas Holland. Say hello, Lucas. Hello. I'm, I'm, people watching very much know that I am on screen, though. We're off my screen, and <laughs> <laughs> you had a whole spiel, and this is the podcast where we scour the lengths and breadths of the internet to find wikis on things that we personally find interesting to delve into them and see if there's anything more we can learn about said subject. And I believe this week you are going first, my friend, and what have you brought for us to discuss? Because I can see you giggling, and I can see kind of a little reflection in your glasses of the screen, but it's not giving much away, so what are we talking about? It's not giving too much away, but I'm going a bit different this week. Okay, different's we are, good. We are going to be talking about the Spice Girls. Okay, so I am all down for talking about the Spice Girls, because I think we don't really have boy bands and girl groups anymore, do we? Like, I, I think, think like K-pop has taken over that. K-pop has taken over, like, BTS is probably the closest we'd get to, like, the kind of culture that surrounds, or surrounded, like, girl groups and guy groups. Like, maybe, like, I think One Direction might be the last big one that I can think of as, like... um like a Western-centric boy group. Maybe, yeah. I can't think of any group after One Direction who had the same sort of like cultural cachet that they did. And people don't know that Spice Girls were huge, especially in the UK. They had like a movie. Yeah. Like every single member was like so famous. Like uh, they started the trend of just dating footballers, being a rite of passage for every like um, celebrity. I... I... I mean, I don't remember too much, which is why, you know, we have the wiki here to help us. Of course, yes. But, but you must remember Spice Fever, right? Everyone I, I, no, was no, all Spice I, Girl I remember Fever. Spice Fever. I was talking about, like, the specifically Dayton footballers, but I just assumed it was specifically, like, the Victoria Beckham of it all. Oh, yeah, but that started, like, the idea of, like, you know, the celebrity power couple here in the UK. Of course, yeah. But, like, I, I was going to say that I don't didn't know whether um, the other four Spices... The spices, they uh, well, the, yeah, they. I don't know whether they like all dated um, footballers or not. And I think like, is it like Jerry Hallowell's married to like an F one driver? I think something like that. Yeah, but like, yeah. Go. Speaking of which, then before we get into it, who was your favorite Spice Girl? Which obviously me. Which one did you have a crush on when you were a kid? The one I had a crush on as a kid was Baby Spice. Uh, me was Jerry Hallowell. That dress, that Ginger iconic Spice. Yeah, that, the iconic, um, uh, like, uh, Union Jack dress. That was the, the one big, I think they wore in the movie, right? Yeah, and the big bouffant red hair. Yeah. Like, you um, know, just absolutely iconic image of, um, uh, like, uh, Britpop. It's it's very funny because, like, clearly my, my tastes have changed because, like, as I grew a bit older, I was like, I definitely should have said Sporty Spice. Like, Sporty Spice, just, like, you know what? Down to earth scouts woman. That's like, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. go. That's always the funny thing about the Spice Girls, isn't it? Like, it's got it's like the Ninja Turtles theorem. Are you familiar with the Ninja Turtles theorem at all? Because the Spice Girls adhere to it. Um, I, I I'm not aware of the theorem, but if you're going to tell me that I've not always been a Donatello main, I'll I'll come after now, you, girl. The Ninja Turtles theorem posits that when you have a group of something that's supposed to appeal to younger people. Each member of that group, um, even if they look to the to an outside, to a layman who's not familiar with the group, to be identical, they have key distinct personalities that mm. are very easily to easily relatable that children can glob onto. 
So Ninja Turtles, like, you know, Donatello is the smart one. Michelangelo is the cool one. Um, Leonardo is the leader, the cool level-headed one. And uh, Raphael is the hothead. Mm -hmm. The Spice Girls, even more simple than that. Just sporty spice, like sports. Baby spice, cute things. Mm -hmm. Ginger spice, you know, is ginger, I suppose. Yeah, like, that is what we get as a personality trait, is our uh, her colour. Posh spice posh. is uh, posh. And then scary spice is just the one who's a bit wacky, a bit crazy. And there's always that, like, with the scary spice thing. It's like... In the fact, yeah, the one black spice girl is the scary one. It's like, oh, that's, that's not a good look, but... Did she ever, ever get out from under Bo Selector? I mean, I presume so, because, like, um... Do, do you know what I mean? Like, the impression they did of her on Bo Selector? No, I'm, I'm not very aware then, no. Okay, so on Bo Selector, um, Avid Merriam, was it, who did that? He did, like, the the famous, infamous impression of um, uh, Scary Spice Mel B as, like, just the chain-smoking lager lout. Oh. And I think they did have, like, an appearance together on a show, and she brought it up and had been like, I, it took me years to, like, do you remember, like, Craig David used to get it as well? I'm like, Craig David? Like, yeah. They said, oh, Craig David's a Yorkshireman with a pet kestrel <laughs> who feeds it fruit pastels. And that, it's such a bizarre thing. And it took him years to get away from that. Yeah, yeah. And I know Mel B's been, like, uh, like a judge or presenter or stuff on, like, a lot of shows. Um, so it's kind of seen that transition go relatively well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't really know that you can like say it for all of them but obviously like victoria beckham's off just being a billionaire and jerry hallowell like you see quite a lot in the public eye still yeah but I, I can't really say that you see maybe the other two quite as much but they're still the obviously less spice around. Girls, yeah well, the thing is though do they even need to be the amount of money they must just get from like residuals on spice girl shit you would hope right you'd hope anyway yeah so yeah, um, tell about Spice Girls. But yeah, Spice Girls are an English pop girl group formed in 1994. The group comprised of Melanie Brown, Scary Spice, Melanie mm-hmm. Chris Holm, Sporty Spice, so that was Mel, Mel B and Mel C respectively. Yep. Uh, Emma Bunton, Baby Spice, and Jera Hallowell, Ginger Spice, and Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice. Just a stroke of marketing, Jesus. And that, uh, G- no, G- Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> As I said, like, and... When you look at it nowadays, you don't really get the like, like the Ninja Turtles theorem. Like, like you look at One Direction, and they all wanted to be the cool one. You can yeah, tell they it, all wanted to be the cool. None of them wanted to be the fucking loser. Obviously, like, you need that. The fans are all like, "Oh well, I like Harry or Niall or whatever." But is it? I would not be able to identify something about five of those men, like yeah, as an outsider. But for Spice Girls. You just very knew distinct. it was a yeah. scary, sporty, baby, ginger, posh. It's very, very... And that's the thing. Like, the five maybe, spices <laughs> that you use in cooking, right? It's like when I say of like, uh, like Little Mix is the example I use of. Like, clearly they didn't want to have any sort of distinct personality. They all try to be the same person, which mm. just results in them not having a distinct personality of their own. Are they only You only think of Little Mix as Little Mix. You don't think of them as individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, I can't remember Victoria Beckham's original name, but yeah, Victoria Beckham, like famously, you know, ended up with David Beckham later on. She wasn't, um, mm-hmm. she wasn't married to him at the time of like forming the group, but they, uh, they did become like a massive UK power couple. 
They did indeed, yes. And um, you have, we have to bring up the legendary interview they had with Sasha Baron Cohen in character as Ali G, <laughs> yeah. where like David and Victoria Beckham, they, to their credit, they take it. They, they do. They take the barbs and you have the legendary line of when the Brooklyn was just born, their son. It's like, so um, uh, do you think your son's going to grow up and want to be a footballer like his dad or a singer like Beyonce? <laughs> you just see Victoria Beckham's face drop of like, ooh. You know, it is it is oddly funny that you mentioned Beyonce, right? Because um, kind of the reason why I looked up the Spice Girls was to mm-hmm. call out like, you know, a, a YouTuber that watches a kind of funny. They yes. just, I didn't see the context for it, but on Twitter put out a poll of who was bigger, Spice Girls or Destiny's Child. Oh, fuck off, Destiny's Child. Like, and that's are the thing, they, they Beyonce, try... Beyonce yeah. way bigger than anything we're talking about here. No, she's not. No, I still think the Spice Girl's in their prime. Has Beyonce got a movie? She doesn't, but I'm sure Beyonce has like 10 times the amount of albums sold. Probably. Actually, let's double check that. Yeah, while you go through it, yeah, I'll double check that. I can do some backfire. Tell me I about this like, story then. I understand from like an American perspective that Destiny's Child was probably a big movement over there. Mm-hmm. But like Spice Girls, I should say, they had a movie. They were international superstars. Whereas oh, shit, I think Beyonce has yeah, sold more albums, two hundred million to Spice Girls, one hundred and five million. And I believe, like uh, when I looked it up, Destiny's Child was about sixty million. So that's the thing is like Destiny's Child huge in America, Spice yeah, like Girls say, okay. huge in uh, like all around the world. Okay, let's discount Beyonce then, because then we'd have to say like you know. Maybe if you added up the five solo careers of the Spice Girls, they might have sold like 10, 20 million each as well. Uh, yeah, uh, but, like that's the thing is, solo careers, we're not talking about here, just the groups to groups. As a group, yeah. Like, fuck off as if there were any girl group was bigger than the Spice Girls. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, were any of them? Because Spice Girls, the Spice World happened, they met aliens, Carl. Yeah, that's it, they had their own movies. Like, I don't <laughs> think there was any... I, I think... I don't think there will ever be any girl group as big as or as influential as they were. Because do you remember like the the slew of girl groups that came in the wake of Spice Girls mm-hmm. trying to like you know just hoover crumbs off their plate like Atomic Kitten um, and all that stuff. Just reading a little bit ahead here because um, it said like they debuted with Wannabe in 1996, a number one fantastic hit song. in 37 countries. And then it later says, like, the Spice Girls have sold 100 million records worldwide, making them the best-selling female group of all time, one of the best-selling pop groups of all time, and the biggest British pop success since the Beatles. Beatles, yeah. So I was going to say, the only thing that's even in comparison to, like, the cultural impact would be the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles, obviously, way bigger. We're not arguing that. Like, Joey, you're talking about, like, you know, people just being wrong on a podcast. There was that amazing one of, like, that new rapper Ice Spice. He's doing really well. Mm. And they said, like, she got, like, more streams in a month than the Beatles did. Then, is she bigger than the Beatles? And I think just the way you sort of is, well, let's fast, like, you know, she's clearly very talented, got a big audience. Let's wait 50 years and see if people still fucking talk <laughs> about Ice Spice. Because the Beatles get in almost as many streams as the current biggest artist at the, uh, when that article was published at yeah. that moment. 
is impressive. Like half a century later, they're still as culturally relevant and as much like airtime <laughs> as the biggest artist in the world at that point who's getting like a push from every conceivable angle. It's like, I'm not taking anything away from but like the fact people say, uh, is she bigger than the Beatles? It's like, we'll give her 50 years and then we'll see. Is, that, is, she, is, the, is she bigger than the Beatles 50 years after the Beatles were relevant? Well, not yeah. relevant, but like, you know, m- producing content. So I'm getting more views than the Beatles do 50 years after like they stop being a band. It's like that's not like, if anything, it just makes them sound even worse. Yeah, it just just makes the Beatles sound even more impressive. If anything, so what was like the the thoughts? Did they legit try and claim that? So Destiny's all I, Child all is I saw was that there must have been a debate of like which one is bigger, and they put out like a tweet poll of just like asking the question. I was. like, to someone outside of America, I don't think it is a question. No. And I get that maybe the Spice Girls weren't quite as big over there, and, but Destiny's Child were massive, and then people obviously conflate Beyonce with Destiny's Child, and are therefore thinking, like, oh, you know, this is massive. Mm-hmm. But Destiny's Child themselves just kicked Beyonce off, and then Beyonce became way bigger than Destiny's Child, obviously. Yeah. And it's like, like if we're uh, talking just girl group to girl group, 1v1, like, A, the Spice Girls win the argument. B, they've got two more people so they can win that fight. I was <laughs> going to say, like, I think just like Mel B and Jerry Halliwell with backup from Posh Spice could probably take the Destiny Child. Do you mean Mel C? Because Mel C's a scouser, Carl. Oh, to be fair, yeah. Okay, so we get the scout, <laughs> we get Mel B and, the, and uh, Mel C with a backup from Jerry, Jerry Halliwell. I think those three could take Destiny's Child in a fist fight. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh God, just, it, you know, if living in Liverpool for nearly half my life has, like, taught me anything, it's just, you don't want to start a fight with a scouser. Yeah, I also, as well, uh, just just for fun, I brought up just a, a an article, a Wikipedia article on British pop girl groups. Okay. I was going to name a couple, and we're just going to see if we remember any of them. So, oh, uh, are, we, are we bringing out, like, Aqua? Aqua's not um, British, they're... Uh, Scandinavian, oh, British I think. British girl groups. Yeah, specifically, okay. you know, the ones that came in the wake mm-hmm. of the Spice Girls. So we have... Uh, oh, do, you, do you remember the Poppy Girls? The Poppy Girls? No. Yeah, the Harmonies? No. The V-Birds? Electro Vamp? Entice? And the one that mentioned here that I do think, the Cheeky Girls. Uh, they were quite big for a little bit. They had that that one hit wonder and have been coasting off that in like nightclubs ever since. <laughs> they have indeed, yes. Um, All Saints. Oh yeah, remember All a- Saints? Atomic Kitten. Yeah, like Girls Aloud. The Saturdays. Sugar Babes. And Joe, the Sugar Babes are one of my favourite examples because they are a living example of the ship of Theseus. Um, the ship of Theseus paradox, which. People probably know from like one division of if you take a ship and you replace all the boards on the ship, and then is that still the original ship? Well, then if you took those original boards and built a new ship, which is the original, the sugar base have undergone so many lineup changes that there are more that there are no original members of the sugar base left. And in fact, all the original members formed a new group, but they legally couldn't call themselves the sugar babes. It's like, but that's the sugar babes. <laughs> and it just depressed me a little bit. That you are correct in saying that most people probably recognise that, like the from ship Odysseus from One Division, and it was it was a a good thing to include in that, but that yeah. just depresses me a little bit. But yeah, the fact that they had to 
form a new group not called the Sugar Babes, even though they are the Sugar Babes. Can you imagine how if in that show, like, Ship of uh, Vision's like, are you familiar with the Sugar Babes paradox? He's <laughs> 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 like, naturally. Uh, I just like, I just wanted to mention a couple of them because just, there were so many. Mm-hmm. And they were all bad. I, I love this as well. Okay. Uh, measures of their success include international record sales, a 2007 to 8 reunion tour, a 2019 reunion tour, merchandising, iconic symbolism such as Hallowell's Union Jack dress representing really girl power, and a film. Like that dress is like held up as like one of the quintessential symbols of like Brit culture. Yeah, again, you you know, you go back to like uh a saying of like the ship that launched uh, the 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 woman that launched a thousand ships that yep. that dress that dress that, was awa- just that awakened so a lot in a lot of people. <laughs> it did. Like she did probably more for redheads than anyone had done to like that point in history. Yeah, it's one of those things of I had, I had two defenses when I was younger for like ginger people not you know me not getting bullied for being ginger essentially is like mm-hmm. but ginger spice all but prince harry yeah and that was all i had it was just please then i remember you were, talk- yeah, you were talking about the reunion tour i remember that, that reunion tour the one holdout because i think every single one wanted to do it but not posh of course posh. because victoria beckham just sitting on like millions or billions of pounds like doesn't give a shit it's like, yeah, she owns, like, her own, like, fashion company. And you know what? I give the Spice Girls, like, props for this of. They they didn't do the reunion tour without her. Because, like, so right. many of those bands are, like, flat. Like, remember when, like, Take That came back and Robbie Williams wasn't part of it? Yeah, of course. And they still did yeah. it. And it's like, then you're not the same band, are you? You just want mm-hmm. the money. So and, like, no, you no. know, it was one of those of Robbie Williams that was the only one that really became successful out of that. So it was... Take that without the person that people wanted to see. Yeah. No, they still had Gary Barlow, and then he quit, and then he had his tax problems, and he came back. <laughs> Which I think is you can literally see the point where he has, he had to pay his tax back, and he's rejoined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says a uh, the group became one of the most successful marketing engines ever, earning up to seventy five million dollars per year, with mm-hmm. their gr- Global gross income estimated at five hundred to eight hundred million by May nineteen ninety eight. That's yeah, nineteen ninety eight money. In fact, that's like easy, like a couple. What maybe maybe a hundred million each a year by May nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, and then they had a couple of years coasting on that because it says here that they were active until two thousand. So that's maybe two three years earning like maybe around a hundred million dollars a year. Not to mention endorsement deals and just the fact they live off royalties forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, ridic- ridiculous. Like it cannot be like they were so massive. Like they used to, they sold like wannabe in butcher shops. Oh wow! That's how popular that single was. It says here, Carl. Yes. In 1996, Top of the Pops magazine gave each member of the group aliases, which were adopted by the group and media. So, oh, so the scary baby ginger posh and sporty was actually something that Top of the Pops must have came up with. That's kind of like awesome. I hope as well the person on Top of the Pops caught that didn't get paid. Who's <laughs> fuck him. That's the thing. That journalist saw none of that. Because came Victoria up with like Becker. their ultimate marketing thing. Uh, fuck him. Because Victoria Beckham has been living with everyone calling her posh for years. 
but like it's hard to argue that when you know you're at the point where you are now. It's like if anything, she just got posher. Yeah, I guess. Like, presumably, they all just lent, they all just lent into it. Um, yeah, but it you know at the same time when you you know back in the day when you say for example you see that Ali G interview, mm-hmm. it's like it's hard to really argue that her and David Beckham are posh. In yeah, the traditional that, sense. That's what I don't get about it. It's like, they were rich, yeah, but David Beckham, he always came across as, like, such, like, just a down-to-earth bloke because he just played football. Yeah. Like, he's a bit of a knobhead, but... Yeah, but he, you he's not, like, this million pound a year to kick a ball? aristocrat or anything. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, he was born in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was born in fucking Man. Oh no, he was born in London and grew up in Manchester. Oh, okay, yeah, because he, he and he played for Man U, obviously, like famously, um, and then moved. He's on a son to... of a hairdresser and a kitchen yeah. fitter. Okay, there. I was waiting to double check because he might have been like you know David Beckham, like David. He's some part. No, he just he was the son of a um, uh, like yeah. a kitchen fitter and a hairdresser. Um. So it says here that with the Girl Power label, the Spice Girls were popular cultural icons of the 1990s. They are cited as part of the second wave 1990s British invasion of the US. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like, the Beatles were the first, they called it the British invasion. Of like, mm-hmm. you know, when like, American rock and roll was kind of like usurped by um, like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And then you had the response to that, which was like, uh, like funk. So I think like you're um uh like yeah, oh what's his name now? Gonna piss me off. Jimi Hendrix, that sort of thing. Like they, they they respond like a slightly heavier sound, like a bit more avant-garde. Because you can mm. see the influence of the Beatles like more um uh, avant-garde style, but then the the harder edge that American musicians put on it is a response. Fair enough, yeah. It's yeah, it's a fascinating scene. Then you we had their keep in mind that their stuff came back to the UK and mm-hmm. then we responded in turn. And that's the thing is nowadays it's it's kind of all a bit more amalgus because just so much of things like you know a lot of media is just over mm-hmm. on streaming services and stuff yeah like you know music it's not as if you've got physically like shit albums back and forth anymore it's just guess what it's all just on spotify and that that you know um another one that really surprises me is the fact that it's like the jonas brothers first like massive hit was actually year three thousand a busted song, yeah. But because busted never really made it over to the U.S. at the time, it's associated in the U.S. as a Jonas Brothers song, yeah. Which must suck to be busted because like, they're still going. No, busted oh. are like we don't give a shit. We earn a lot of money off that. Oh, okay, also, but I busted is just like you know what we we, we said that they're allowed to do it, and now we keep getting paid, and <laughs> it's like, I can't be mad. Doesn't, I, I uh, got a text this morning from a friend of mine, like, are you busy today? I'm like, unfortunately, I'm working, recording this. Mm. Like, oh, because I'm coming back from Manchester. I've just been to see Busted. Yeah. <laughs> Last night, this morning, the band is still going. And that is the time of my life. I got so drunk and cried. Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're enjoying a nice reunion tour themselves. And it's one of those things of, you know, again, like they're just pretty down to earth about the whole thing of just like, yeah, except for... Jonas Brothers got us a lot of money, and people really like the song, so it's like, yeah, why not? And 
Charlie still sitting there going, yeah, but fire. What was the band that he fires? So, okay, I was going to mention, you can't not mention Charlie from Buster. So just to like anyone who's like wondering who the fuck is Buster were, a British boy band. But it was that era of British like boy bands rock. where they played they played instruments, so they were cool. So they and are was- kind of, and I say like this in a, a nice way, they're kind of a precursor to McFly. And yes. the drummer from McFly actually drummed for Busted. For a little so, bit, yeah. Yeah, like on a lot of the music videos, you might, you might see an appearance from him and stuff, and it's like... Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, they think also toured as, the Brit- as yeah. Busted. Think of them as the British answer to, like, shitty pop punk. And when no, I say shitty no, pop punk, yeah. No, no, no. To pop punk, Carl. Not no, when shitty. I say, when I say shitty... <laughs> I mean, okay. Think of it as the British answer to pop punk that's, like, more pop than punk, then. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I meant by a bit shitty. And there's a member of the band, Charlie, who we all know as Eyebrows, <laughs> because he just has these giant eyebrows. When Charlie the band Simpson, broke yeah. up, he started his new band called Fightstar. That's a fight star. And he was insistent that he not be called Charlie from Busted anymore and would walk out of interviews if they talked about Busted. He said, I'm a real musician. That was shit. That was manufactured pop garbage for the masses. I'm a musician. I don't make that anymore. And when Busted reformed to become McBusted, where they just said, fuck it, McFly and Busted are the same band now. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want any part of it. I make real music. Fightstar died on its ass the next year. He's like, well, you know, like, Busted was the best time of life. <laughs> and he's just, just admit you wanted the money. And uh, he had a, a relatively all right um, solo career as well. He did until Fightstar. Until he saw how much money McBusted were making. That's, a, that's the rub, isn't it? If I... You know, he, he was doing all right with Fightstar and his solo career, and then Mook Busted have, like, a sellout UK tour. And he's like, uh, I'd kind of like to have, like, $10 million in the bank, please. And I went to see Mook Busted live. I, I'm a really good? Busted and McFly fan, and, like, Mook Busted was a really fun show. Because they just played the hits from both bands. And they had an album as well. Hmm. So they had they had the hits from the new album, and it it was a delightful experience. Yeah, because I remember like Charlie being like, "Well, now I'm part of the band. We can actually start writing new music." And it's like, "Fuck off! Are you saying you're better than all five members?" And they're all there like, "We're having fun. Our fans are loving it. We're here to entertain." And he's like, "No, we want to make." It's like, "No, just say you want money. Yeah, just say your wife wants a bigger house." I'd I'd respect it as well. If you'd have just gone on TV and said, my wife wants a bigger house, I'm joining McBusted, I'd have been all right. But it's the fact that he tried to pretend like he had any sort of artistic <laughs> integrity left, it's like, no, you don't. And we're okay with that. We are okay with that. Like, I always respect just like, fuck it, I did it for the money. Yep. Just admit it. But um, going back to doing it for the money, Carl, we've got mm-hmm. a bit of a history on the Spice Girls of just... In the mid nineteen nineties, and I presume it can't have been that mid nineteen nineties, considering like they formed in like ninety four. But anyway, yeah. Um, in the mid nineteen nineties, father and son management team Bob and Chris Herbert, together with their financier Chick Bob Murphy, Herbert. placed an advertisement in the stage for auditions for a group, a uh, girl group, which was supposed to respond and compete with the boy bands that dominated the early 1990s. Yes, because there was a lot of... We've only been talking about girl bands, and like you know, we mentioned Bust, but there was a lot of boy bands where you had... Following the path of Take That, the aforementioned Take mm-hmm. That, who were more big in the 80s, and then you had a couple of bands that tried to respond to that. like East 17, who were trying to have like the harder oh, edge, yeah. where they were a boy band where they all had shaved heads. Mm-hmm. They, were all, they were all chavs, the chav <laughs> boy band. 
That's they were like, that great Christmas song. <laughs> they, they were the working class take that car. Yeah. They all like knobheads anyway. But this prompted hundreds of girls to audition, of course, which what? was whittled down to five girls that included Mel B, Victoria mm-hmm. Wood, slash Victoria Adams, uh, Leanne Morgan, Michelle Stevenson, and Jerry Hallowell. And I presume Victoria Wood is the um, name for now Victoria Beckham. Yes. But that still means that Leanne Morgan and Michelle Stevenson, they're not in the Spice Girls, Carl. They're not. Do you know they should have done that? Do you know they had like all five, those like 500 women like auditioning? Mm. Just put them in the band. Are you familiar <laughs> with like, I think it's like a Korean band oh, called AKB48? Gonna... I think I've heard that name somewhere. And they're called AKB48 because they have 48 members of the band. And here's like a picture of like the last roll call the band had before they broke up. Well, where? It's just like it's just like 50 women. What was that band over in the UK that like prided themselves on having like the massive group, like gang as a group? Do you remember? I don't know. Let's just have for the biggest British. Oh, if I put in biggest British band. I'm sure they'll come up. Okay, band with most members, British. Yeah. Okay, what did you just say, like, the Beatles? All the, cl- <laughs> the clowns? Because I can't remember what band it was, but I swear there was, like, at any point it was between, like, 15 and 50 members. Is it the Waterboys? No. It's the Waterboys. It said they've got, like, Maybe members. let us know in the comments if you can remember who I'm thinking of. Okay. But... It it was just a wild time, and it, it was around the time, you know, like, Pop Idol and X Factor and all that were popping off, mm-hmm. and I cannot remember at all what it was called. Um, okay. Maybe if we can find... No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. So... After the final audition, the girls went home and waited for some days until getting called to attend uh, Nomi's studios again. To their mm-hmm. surprise, Leanne Morgan wasn't there, but in her place, it was Melanie Crystal, Mel C, as mm-hmm. the new band member. Leanne had been sent a letter telling her she looked too old compared to the other girls. Oh, can you imagine as well? Getting that letter and then like the next year Spice Girls happens. Yeah. I mean, like, that could have been me. It's like that guy who was in the Beatles won it. Pete mm-hmm. Best, I think it is, and he got kicked out and replaced with Ringo. And then, like, the next year, the Beatles became the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fuck. It's like um, one one that I know quite well. It's just the story of, like, um, with the Foo Fighters' first album. Yeah, it wasn't like some dude who was a drummer and just Dave Grohl. D- like, um, the, the Dave Grohl apparently, like, behind their back, he wasn't impressed with the drumming on the tracks re-recorded the drumming from his own drumming because, because he's a you know, drummer for Nirvana. Um, and then when, when they went to go like listen to the, the like masters or whatever, the drummer's like, that's not my drumming. Dave Ross like, yeah, it's mine. And then, uh, you know, Fallout happened and they ended up quitting or maybe getting fired, I'm not sure, but they, they left the band and, it's like, and then Foo yeah. Fighters popped the fuck up. A, I get it, but imagine arguing with the drummer from Nirvana. Yeah. Like, like, just like, even if he wasn't that good a drummer, he was in Nirvana, shut up. Mm-hmm. Were you in Nirvana? No. 
So then shut up. Just be happy that you're in a band <laughs> with a guy from Nirvana because you're probably going to be successful. Yeah. So again, maybe people can let us know in the comments about it. So there's a famous story about some band where the, one of the members quit because they were asked to open for like Kiss or Prince or some like, you know, legendary group. Mm-hmm. And like the, the lead singer's like, you know, we're not, we don't open for other bands. And like the lead guitarist quit of like, no one's too big to open for, insert band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like, just... you know, just some singers have that ego. Yeah, God, can you imagine, like, uh, again, a band like something like Kiss, as you say, like, just not sure which band, but massive bands with mm-hmm. huge names, and you have the ego to be like, we don't open for other people. It's like, yes, you fucking do. It's like, I've, probably not on the podcast, I've talked about a show that I, I enjoy, but it's so frustrating as a show, like The Marvelous Miss Maisel, right. which is about a comedian called Miss Maisel. And basically, it's it's the people who wrote Gilmore Girls. So if you okay. know that show, you know the exact kind of character she is where. She's always right, and she never shuts the fuck up. Which mm. is very endearing until, like, the fourth season when she's just wrong. And, like, she's been offered, like, <laughs> massive, massive gigs. And it's like, oh, but you're opening for this huge person. It's like, I don't do openers anymore. I don't do TV spots. I want to headline my own gig. And it's like, you're... You're poison. You've mm-hmm. pissed off everyone in the industry. This is a great gig. Do this in the elite inside. Like, and then, because it's she's the hero of the story, she ends up coming out on top every time. It's like, oh! Yeah. You shouldn't be rewarding that behavior. But I just want to get down to what happened to the other band member before we tail off into your wiki Let's go, It's got to be gutting, right? To so know you could have been part of Spice Fever. It, it must have been. The fact that it was just you got a letter saying you look too old. That's the rub. It's, you're talented. Yeah. You you made it past all this audition phase. You are in the band. You look a bit old. What's up with like One Direction, wasn't it? Where that every single member auditioned as solo, and like Simon Cowell straight up said, "You're all good singers, but we can't market you individually." Yeah, because none of you got the charisma to like, you know carry a solo career. Maybe mm-hmm. to get maybe five of you together can form one personality. And obviously, Harry Styles now has that charisma. No, not as an actor, he do not Well, maybe no, as a singer, but as an actor, as, he certainly a, fucking do not As a singer, he is obviously phenomenally successful right now. Mm-hmm. And we have to obviously, um, you know, mention that. But yeah, at the time when you look back, what, 15 years ago or whatever, and they're all like, mm-hmm. uh, help me, Simon. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, yeah, we're just going to cram you together because we don't know what to do with any of you. Yeah. Um. So, Carl, the group was then given the name Touch. I can... I Touch. Guess that's, it's quite British to have, like, a cheeky name like that. Like the, We literally talk about the cheeky girls whose gimmick was. It, they've got nice a, asses. It's, it's not even, like, that side of things that I'm surprised about. It's just a bad name. It's just not memorable. It's It's... it's one syllable. Yeah. And anyway, they moved into a house together in Maidenhead, Berkshire, uh, which was apparently owned by Murphy, and they were subsidised by Heart Management, and each was claiming unemployment benefits. Imagine that. Imagine going to a dole office and seeing all five <laughs> Spice Girls in a row. Not so posh Spice right now, going yeah. on the dole. Um, so with the original lineup, they started to work demos, including dance routines, which Stevenson didn't like. She considered it a very, very young pop, and including the song We're Gonna Make It Happen, a song that was never officially released, that's why I don't recognise it, mm-hmm. but footage of the girls performing it can be seen in a 2008 documentary. 
It soon became apparent that Stevenson did not have the drive and belief that the rest of the group had. So the decision was made to fire her from the group. Do you know what that is? She wasn't poor and desperate enough to work for no money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the music industry. Um, the decision. Oh, sorry. Uh, vocal coach Peppy Lomer was training the girls, suggested to the management one of her students named Abigail Kiss. She did a solo audition, singing a song, and two days later was offered a place in the band. Ultimately, she decided to decline due to feeling too young, choosing to continue with her studies and having a boyfriend. Again, oh, she better be happily married with three kids because that's otherwise, be rough. Turning like, down spice fever. I th- I'm gonna look it up now. So keep going, but there's an actress who did that, and it's so funny a story. Um, this then led to another student proposed by Peppy, 18-year-old Emma Bunton, who, of course, ended up being Baby Spice. I thought that was too audition. young, the person who replaced yeah. Baby Spice. But last thing is, it's not that the band felt that she was too She, in herself, felt she was too young. Yeah. Uh, pull one out for Abigail in, in the comments, everyone. Uh, after a solo audition, Bunton instantly impressed the Herberts and was invited to meet the group in July who welcomed her with open arms after feeling an instant connection with the other girls. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, you know, there's a big, 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 like, thing of, like, all the history and the timeline and all that of them. But all you need to know is, yeah, Spice Fever fucking happened. They became the the biggest, like, women-led band just of all time and also mm-hmm. became... The the most culturally relevant British export since the Beatles. Yeah, and I remember I found that actress now. So it's an actress called Sarah Gilbert. Now you might recognise she's been in a couple of things. Uh, most notably, she was on like this. The last big thing she was on was the Connors TV show, the reboot of Roseanne, and mm-hmm. then Roseanne itself when she was younger, um, and then a couple guest spots here and there. She was childhood friends. With Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, right. And when Leonardo Joe and Leo was big, mm-hmm. Joe just getting started, like, I'm talking like just off the back of like, t- he's going into Titanic. Mm-hmm. She advised him to take a break from acting to focus on her his studies like she did, because you can always come back to acting when you're older. And can you imagine if Leonardo DiCaprio took that advice? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, she was like, good friends. It's like, yo, Leo. You can always come back to acting like I did, and she's like not been in anything in like four <laughs> years. Like the last thing she did was producing an episode of The Connors, which is like you know, tr- all right, I guess. And then before that, she's got yeah. So actress, her next upcoming role, she hasn't got any upcoming roles. Yeah, and it's just. Sporadic Do you think Leonardo DiCaprio has any upcoming roles, Carl? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just one of those things, isn't it? Of Oh, imagine having like, yeah, quit like Leonardo DiCaprio. You should quit acting. Mm-hmm. It's just again the hubris of like, you know what? I've got a boyfriend. I know what's important right now. And then like the next year when they're having the argument. No, Carl. What? Go on, tell me. Uh, 2016 to present. At the end of this article, in 2016, Mel B, Emma Bunton, and Jarrah Hallowell reunited for the 20th anniversary of the Spice Girls debut album. And are working on new music. Their fourth is that, album is expected to be released in the near future. Is that without Vic? Oh no. Without we, Vic we talk- and without Mel C. And it's oh, like, no. no. 
know. We taught, we gave him so much props for not doing that, and they just turns out they did. Because I was thinking, that's a, the last I heard of him was uh, rumblings for the Olympics. Do you know oh, like the Olympics? Right. We hosted them. Mm-hmm. I think did they? I think they might have made an appearance, but they didn't sing because one of the rumors was the Spice uh, Girls were going to reform. London 2012 Olympics closing ceremony and Viva Forever the closing the ceremony. Yes. So they did do the closing ceremony, yeah. Because that was one of the things, yeah, they were talking about, like, who are we going to get? Because there was rumours like, well, who are the biggest bands? Well, the Beatles. So Paul McCartney's going to turn up. Yeah. There's, oh. like, Brian May yeah. from, like, Queen. Can we get Spice? So they did come back for that. On and August I was still disappointed 12. they didn't bring Iron Maiden back. On August 12, 2012, the Spice Girls performed as a quintet for the last time at the oh, London Olympics 2012 closing ceremony. You know what? Not bad. That's quite fitting. What? That's a nice dovetail that, to their career. See, that, of like that is when they should have gone perfect note to end on. Yeah, the British Absolutely. Olympics, a, a celebration of Britain on the world stage in terms of like you know our contributions to culture, and just like here's you know one of the biggest bands we've ever done. Because I think yeah, that that opening and closing ceremony was just it's one of the few times I've, I've like I think probably the last time I felt patriotic about being British of just seeing how much. I was literally helped influence. I was about to say that maybe one of the only things I'm ever proud of is British music. Most of the things in Britain, I'm like either you know just don't want to mention, or I'm outright ashamed of for being yeah, I remember, British. Yeah. And it's I like, remember having like a massive argument with my ex who was American that British people like we invented rock like heavy metal. He's like, no, you didn't, because Americans invented rock and roll. I went, yeah, but then we uh, Br- heavy metal was British though. Mm. Rock and roll is not heavy metal. It's like you know, it's a it's a offshoot of it. Mm-hmm. And like you'll talk to like you know bands like Metallica talk about being influenced by like British heavy metal bands and like so like Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and all that sort of thing. So but Americans invented rock and roll, and it was like this massive argument of like I'm not saying you you didn't invent rock and roll, but what I am saying is that British people invented heavy metal. And as well, um, the Beatles kind of set up what is now known as like the modern way to form a rock band kind of thing. Yeah, like, like so much of like what lead and rhythm guitar, bassist, vocalist, harmonies, drums. Like that setup is kind of not changed too much since. Yeah, so having like the very first heavy metal band, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, and uh, Deep Purple. So I'm not sure like- class Led Zeppelin, but yeah, I mean, either way, yeah, yeah. Is Led Zeppelin British? I'm pretty sure they always that. Am I thinking oh, no, of I'm more just, I don't really exactly see them as like heavy metal. They might have a few oh, yeah, heavy Led Zeppelin, songs. English rock band Jimmy Page, and then mm-hmm. uh, Deep Purple, um, English rock band, yeah. So all three. Cause I, I, I just knew it was. And I remember this was an argument we had for hours <laughs> because every time I said, like, heavy metal is British, but it's based on rock and roll. I went, but it, been ba- but it was invented here. Yeah. It's like saying yeah, bread was invented in this country, so you couldn't have invented the sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's like they're two distinct things. One relies on the other, yes, but it's a distinct thing that was invented in this country. Mm-hmm. It was so. Like, I remember that was the what, the, the the most we'd ever argued <laughs> because like I like my heavy metal, and I knew this was a thing. It's like, but no, it's not because Americans like invented rock and roll. Like, I'm not saying you didn't invent rock and roll. The two different things. That's why they've got different names. And I'm reliving it, and I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. I think that's a good time to take a break. It is, yes. And we are back from our break. And, Carl, before we get onto your wiki, I just figured yes. we'd mention a couple of housekeeping things, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for everyone listening at home, we are on podcast services, and 
for those watching at home, you'll again notice that I've mentioned in a previous podcast we now have like the darker, colourful background for all the people that uh, didn't like our light white mode. Yeah, they like, they live in a dark world. They're dark mode. And I am a dark mode kid, but um, you know, I didn't quite realise like, how how much it was uh, clearly affecting some people. So apologies for that. But yeah, if you want to go back and view the the podcast now, that you can. It's it's safe. It's all right. Yeah, did, and, did you see? Like speaking of dark, like Jimmy Carr getting roasted on Twitter. I've been like, I shared my darkest jokes with some Americans, and then he tells a One Direction joke in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Of my course. darkest jokes, Lucas. And then he tells a non-binary joke in 20... Ooh, so edgy. So yeah. edgy to punch down on people there, Jimmy. Oh, can go in that corner with Dave Chappelle and just... It's like, what a legend. You know, continue to of, definitely be relevant. Like, man who um, uh, has paid to fix his teeth and hairline, criticising people for um, uh, getting surgery to conform to the way they look inside their own head rather than the way they were naturally born. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Carl. Anyway, yeah, I just thought I just you we mentioned. Oh, he told like a fucking One Direction joke in twenty twenty three. I um, you know, ask people over here as always to to like and subscribe over on YouTube yes. and rate us on podcast services. That's right. five. Do you have anything to plug for us during this? Yeah, my my Twitch stream. You know, um, Carl's uh, Wood on Twitch. Um, mostly just stream like my usual Metal Gear Rising um, every Friday, but. Um, more recently, uh, Mortal Kombat 1 came out, and this is the first time I've been on the ground floor of the release of a fighting game while having an in into like the competitive scene. You know, um, uh, uh, that guy I collaborated with, um, uh, Rips, um, over on YouTube, who's currently struggling because you can't get Mortal Kombat content monetized. Oh, so, despite it being one of yeah. like the most popular fighting games to watch online, it's almost impossible to monetize on YouTube because the fatalities and brutalities are hardwired into the game. Mm-hmm. And they get you instantly demonetized. I, understandably, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, they are. But it's, I don't understand why they don't just remove them from the game. I'll give you a streamer's option where they mm-hmm. replace them with like friendships, sweat. Yeah, that's what they. <laughs> yeah. But either way, yes, I'll be over the next couple of weeks, probably streaming some of that once I get dip my toes into the online world after I feel comfortable with the game's mechanics. Because I've been also playing Baldur's Gate three, and it's like I can't, <laughs> I can't throw myself completely into a game till Baldur's Gate three is finished. Mm-hmm, for sure, and I will also just plug my Twitch, um, Twitch.tv/LegendOfCanto, mm-hmm. and Tuesdays or Tunic Tuesdays, where I play through uh, the Zelda games, the Legend of Zelda series, mainstream games, uh, mainline games. I'm just going through all of them one by one. Currently on Oracle of Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Thursdays, I do uh, like I haven't quite come up with an eight. Maybe like Thunder Badge Thursdays is the one that we've talked about at the moment. But mm-hmm. that's just Pokemon content. Uh, playing through Pokemon Infinite Fusion on Thursdays at the moment, and then Carl and I are doing Mass Effect Mondays at the moment. Yes, and we are playing through Mass Effect One at the moment. And my sub goal, if I hit it, is for us to start playing through Mass Effect Two when we're done with Mass Effect One. Yes, we get to see, uh, get to meet Thane. The old, the old panty dropper himself, Thane. Uh, like, that's the thing is, I'm a big fan of a lot of the cast in Mass Effect 2, but even as a straight dude, I'm like, oh, but that Thane. Thane. Those lips. Those lips that were like specifically designed to make you want to kiss them. He comes from but, a planet, he's, aller- <laughs> he can't have, he's allergic to water, <laughs> so you know that his lips are dry. They need that moisture. 
Speaking of things that I want but can't have, Carl, what's the wiki that you've brought for us today? Well, I've already alluded to uh, the potential topic, and it is a character from Mortal Kombat. Specifically, I brought, a to- I brought a prop for this one. See if you can guess who the character is. Uh, Sub-Zero. Yeah, it's the one. No, so it's Johnny Cage. Because I yeah. thought, you know, Johnny Cage, for a while in like Mortal Kombat, was like the joke character. But over like, the modern era, has become like, one of the firm fan favorites just because of his characterization and growth. And then in MK1, they completely reset the timeline, so he's just asshole Johnny Cage again. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. But I always remember that I won Mortal Kombat merch in a competition because of Johnny Cage. Mm-hmm. It was just like, um, you know, all the, like, game, which for Americans is like our version of GameStop. GameStop. Um, just tweeted like, you know, what's the best Mortal Kombat character and why? And you'll win this free merch. Yep. And I just put, like, Johnny Cage. He's a, he's a man who just walks around with sunglasses all the time and has his own name tattooed on his chest. What a legend. What else can I say? And they were like, fair enough, you win. Yeah, well, Johnny what Cage. Else? Yeah, what else can you say about Johnny Cage? Well, let's find out. So we're referring to the Mortal Kombat wiki here. We've got a quote from Mr. Cage. You know, making movies is no walk in the park. And that's Johnny Cage to Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat 11. And he's got just so many great lines, like in the new game especially, because there's like, well... Johnny Cage is basically Mortal Kombat Deadpool now, where he seemingly mm. has fourth wall awareness. Because, like, the entire timeline's being reset, but in, like, combat and, like, intros and stuff, he's talking to Liu Kang of, like, so what happened to my wife? And Liu Kang's like, spoilers, Johnny Cage. And it's like, he just knows about the other timeline. You see, I know that that's played off as a joke, but that's terrifying because that means that he has memories of his entire previous life. What's and he's the like, thing? Give yeah. me my family back. It could be that, yeah. But he's Johnny Cage, so he take, he plays but, everything off as a joke. Of course, it's played off as a joke. But if you actually think about the repercussions, yeah. for that joke, it's oh, that's actually terrifying. If you took it, it a different way, you stole my wife and chill. Also, why can't I glow green anymore? What's going on? Where's Cassie? No, well, uh, so so we have uh, some interest. Do you actually know Johnny Cage's real name? Is it Nicolas Cage? It is not. It is Jonathan Calton, better known by his stage name, Johnny Cage, is an action movie star and martial artist in the Mortal Kombat fighting game series. One of the things I love about Johnny Cage is the in the original timeline, because people don't know the Mortal Kombat timeline has been rebooted three times. Um, okay. Like He joined Mortal Kombat because everyone said... Your action movies are fake. You just it's all special effects, and that's why he <laughs> always jokes. Do you like the green glow? Mm-hmm. He does that. And says, it's not special effects, and I actually don't know how I do that. But it's not special <laughs> effects. Like he didn't actually know for years why he could glow green, but he just did, and he'd do it in movies. And then they kept asking, like, "Well, that's special effects." Like, no, I can just do that. <laughs> I think that that... He didn't know why he could just glow green, but he'd do it in movies. And it's obviously fake. He's like, no, it's real. I can really glow green. I'll enter this martial arts tournament and prove it. That's a ballsy tournament to enter just to prove that you can do your own stunts is yeah. like the mortal combat one the one where people rip each other in half well he's, he's that confident in his ability we have some uh, just biographical information about johnny cage here so um uh, real name jonathan calton and it's worth noting he's one of the few characters in the entire series who um, gets to skirt around the usually universal law of mortal combat which is everything that is a c is normally spelt with a k Johnny Cage True, is the only yeah. exception to that rule. 
Yeah, I never thought about that. And then obviously that pertains to also Cassie Cage, who is his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Sonya Cage, his wife, in the other timeline. And then we have oh, his weapons. Yeah. He fights with a Bowie knife, pistol, and nunchaku. That's his reference to his, like, you know, he's just the pastiche character of, like, martial arts um, actors in films. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, he also fights using karate, Jeet Kundo, and Shinto Ryu. So karate is, like, you know, very popular in movies. And then Jeet Kundo, the chosen style of Bruce Lee. Oh, okay, cool. And then his portrayers. Uh, do you know who played him? I know who now play. Well, I know who now plays an alternate skin of him. Yeah, that is Jean Claude Van Damme. And the muscles from Brussels. The reason that they've brought a Jean Claude Van Damme um, skin into the game is an allusion to the fact that back in yep. the day in Mortal Kombat, the OG, not Mortal Kombat One, we can't call it that anymore. Yep, but Mortal Kombat. They wanted Jean Claude Van Damme to be the like digital representation of um, Johnny Cage, but they couldn't yes. get him. Yes, do you see as well that originally like Ed Boon wanted every character in Mortal Kombat One to be a celebrity, and then you look at like um, uh, Megan Fox's voice lines as, as Natara, and you're like, "Well, that was a good choice not to do that." Yeah, and I think was it Mortal Kombat they like originally like wanted to make a different game as well. It was going to be a Jean-Claude Van Damme fight action game based mm-hmm. on Bloodsport. They couldn't make yeah. that, so they turned it into a fighting game. And, and they lost they the rights. Like, him for Johnny Cage, and they couldn't yeah. get him. I mean, yeah. And they lost the rights to um, Jean-Claude Van's likeness. So as a nod and a slight towards um, like Jean-Claude Van Damme, because I think they talk about, oh, we're so excited to have him work with us. The reason they made Johnny Cage a failed actor who's a crap action star who has to like <laughs> join to try and get some of his credibility back is because they were doing it to they were pissed off that Jean-Claude Van Damme removed the rights to his likeness it's like fuck it we're gonna get a generic guy who looks exactly like him and just say he's an action star who's failed and no one likes and if you want to know more about that Mortal Kombat we also did a wiki episode where we talked about that Mortal Kombat so listen to that after this I guess yes you can yes but um, as I was pointing out the voice actor for Johnny Cage is Andrew Bowen and he's so good that they brought him back he's one of the few actors they brought back for the mm. new timeline because the new timeline generally with the Liu Kang uh, Shao Kahn pretty much everyone else has been like replaced oh, right, they're, okay. all, they're all new characters I'm, they're all I, new I, versions I guess but it's a bit of a dick move to all the voice actors yeah. Like, well, we imagine, though, like, when you see Nitara, it's like Megan Fox in the studio. She was there for half an hour. So Didn't she did even s- do her own efforts. No, apparently. no, there's else to do that. So, you know, Megan Fox is really in demand right now. Really commanding those, um, those big. But anyway, but about Johnny Cage. So, initially, Johnny Cage is a struggling Hollywood action movie star who sought to revitalize his career and reputation. He entered the Mortal Kombat tournament for the sole purpose of displaying his fighting prowess <laughs> and proving himself to his skeptical film critics, as they believe Cage was nothing more than an actor who relied too much on stunts and camera work and was not really a proficient fighter. And that's the thing, it's like, but I can glow green. It's like special effects, but I can glow green. I also kind of would have loved it if they went the other way with the new version of Johnny Cage and made it so that he, he actually does fight in a stuntman. Well, that's it. In some of the games, he does that. Like in Mortal Kombat X, you have the stunt actor variation where oh. you just you have his stunt double come in and like he literally has like the Johnny Cage tattoo. He has it mm-hmm. written in Sharpie on his chest in Comic Sans. <laughs> and it's just he's so dumb. <laughs> 
Like, oh no, I didn't see that. I've never yeah. thought I need she to go back. He matures considerably by the time of Mortal Kombat X, losing much of his earlier arrogance and airheadedness. That's when you have like the crossover between like you have younger Johnny Cage talking to adult Johnny Cage, and like adult Johnny Cage is like, was I really this much of a fucking yeah. prick? And younger Johnny Cage is like, <sighs> and that's like, I bet everyone would experience that. If you went back to 20 years, like, you, yeah. you know, you got your 20 year old self and your 40 year old self. I bet, like, there's not a person in the world that wouldn't be like, oh, oh. Yeah. We all grow. Uh, we all keep so growing as people. In the new timeline, I won't get into spoilers, but I'll just, like, you know, give a brief overview of what he's like in the new timeline. He's once again a struggling actor due to his expensive lifestyle, which drove away his ex-wife. <laughs> oh, no. So he's, like, you, the start of story mode, like, he's in a film, and he's like, that was a really great take, wasn't it, guys? And everyone, like, the director's like, yeah, yeah. See, uh, is, can we stop a lunch date? And like, no, I'm busy, Johnny. I'm busy, Johnny. And it's like, you feel so bad for him because he's like, I did it right, guys. I'm still a great actor. I'm great at martial arts. And everyone's like, yeah, Johnny, you, you did great, mate. Um, see you later. But then the actual context is that he can go and beat up Shao Kahn. No, he's that, he's that good, yeah. I love him in the yeah. new game as well because he, he no longer has access to the, um, the shadow magic. Mm-hmm. He's just really, really fast, and like he's he's got an, his gimmick is the hype meter, where you basically <laughs> have to get people on your side in the fight, and you can alter all of his special moves to just be versions where he just plays up and mugs for the camera. So like, do you know, like the nut punch, you can cancel it. So instead of punching them, he pulls down his glasses and goes, "Hey," <laughs> and that is like is uh, similar to Smash Bros. where Incineroar. Does yeah. like the pose every time after a successful hit, which you can cancel, but true Incineroar players know that you shouldn't. But the thing is, though, once you get it to full, you activate like, like height mode, and you can cancel all of his special moves into all of his other special moves. And every time you <laughs> land a hit, the, the a crowd comes out of nowhere and goes, Go, Johnny, go, Johnny. And there's combos out there of just him doing nut punch into nut punch into nut punch into nut punch, and just and like you know, speed bagging someone's testicles as the crowd's like, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> He's like, That's so good, just speed bagging that nutsack. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, we have like, you know, appearances. So Johnny Cage is depicted as the typical American action movie star, a bare muscular build with tight pants and his trademark sunglasses, which he rarely, if ever, removes to the point where he always has a spare set. And I love that. <laughs> of like when you hit his sunglasses, pulls out another pair. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good gimmick. It is. Because it'd be so, the thing is though, it's like, I like wearing sunglasses, but I don't think I could ever commit to be a guy who wears sunglasses every single day. Indoors as well. Yeah, that's the you've got, and that's the, if you want to be that guy, you have to wear them literally all the time. Johnny does. That's the thing. Like when he's talking to his wife, he's still wearing them. It's like he's always <laughs> in Johnny Cage mode. The guy loves it. Uh, he was physically modelled after Jean Claude Van Damme's character in Bloodsport, and even wears a very similar outfit because it's in a black short for the red sash and black shoes, which returns in MK1 as a bonus um, uh, DLC outfit for Cage. And didn't they get? Jean-Claude Van Damme to like, do voice lines for that yeah. skin. And his lines are even worse than Megan Fox's. <laughs> but you can't, it can't get away because Johnny Cage is supposed to be a bad actor. Yeah. So you kind of get away with the fact like he's delivering these shit lines, but yeah. I'm glad that it's exclusive to a skin so that you can like toggle. Yeah. But yeah. 
And then we have um, combat characteristics. So despite his air-headed and superficial nature, Johnny Cage is a strong and formidable warrior, showing an excellent fighting technique during battle. After long periods of training with various masters of multiple martial arts, he himself is a master of several fighting styles, such as karate and jeet kune do. He is also trained in the use of firearms and military equipment. Uh, it says, though, though Cage is a human being, he possesses superhuman powers. According to um, MK21... Um, According to MK2011, Johnny Cage descended from, and this is like where he gets his glow powers from, a Mediterranean cult that bred warriors for the gods. So they specifically oh. bred warriors to sacrifice them to the gods in like battle with like deities. Mm-hmm. And it's um, uh, th- some of these warriors had special abilities bestowed upon them by you know their just upbringing, which included the ability to propel themselves forward and increase the strength of their blows. So that's where his green glow comes from. He's empowering himself with like um, Mediterranean sex energy. Again, and it's so potent, his daughter can do it. It's like I know that people in the comments uh, brought up the, what the actual distinction actually is, but if you're in a cult and there are actually gods providing you magical abilities, it's not is a cult. It not, it's is not a it cult. still a cult? They're right. Because that's the thing is, it's like it's a cult, but they're right. <laughs> so like no one calls Scientology a cult. If Zenu came down in a spaceship tomorrow. <laughs> he says that he's one of the few combatants to utilize unorthodox tactics in, uh, in battle. Um, uh, so he utilizes odd weaponry, such as a camera that emits flashes of light and disorientates others, a pair of explosive sunglasses from one of his movie sets. <laughs> he has a tendency to implement Hollywood-inspired attacks into his fighting style, such as creating clones and stunt doubles. Uh, to attack his enemies and using props as deadly weapons. He is infamous for his signature nut-punch attack, which he proudly flaunts for his effectiveness, despite the condemnation of those around him. It's that thing of like, oh, it's really unfair to punch your opponent in the nuts. Like, it's a fight to the death. Yeah. Do whatever you can to survive. It's, I love it as well, though, because it's like, they call it the nut-punch. For me, it's always the package check. I oh, always no. call it the package check. And yeah, like, do you remember any of his, like, do you have a favourite Johnny Cage movie and you can't say the nut punch? Um, one of my favourite ones, just because I, I like to imagine just the context of which it came from is like, is, um, you know, like the kick where he slides across screen. Yes. But he like intros into the fight yeah. sometimes <laughs> sliding in. And it's, just... I just like to imagine that he just travels around doing the kick. Well, that's the thing, um, because in the like the newer one, when he does that, like he clearly loves it. Because when you land it, he goes wee, like he flies, and he's so fast. Like you'll just do it and he'll go wee. And if you hold it, he like puts, he does like the Bruce Lee of like putting the kick all the way down, pulls mm-hmm. glasses down, and goes, "You like that one?" And you get bonus points for doing it. And that's the thing; it's just the, the insinuation from that intro that he can just continually travel. Just via the kick. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> just can, you keep imagine, going. Like, can you imagine you're in traffic, you're going down the motorway, you see Johnny Cage <laughs> flying down the motorway like that, reading his like more like his morning coffee. Oh, uh, just leg out. And then we have his fatalities, which he has many, many of. Um, mm. Do you have a favorite like Johnny Cage fatality? Because they always give him the best ones, especially in the newer games, because they know he's like the best character. I don't remember too many of them, but uh, one that does stand out to me. Is when he like I think he like chops the head in half, and yeah. then he just like stamps an award in the middle of the head and just yeah. replaces the head with an award. But, and the yeah. detail is it's the Johnny Cage award, which he gave himself. 
what I think the one that I like is who hired this guy, which is a reference to um, there was a glitch in earlier games where if you did like his his fatality was the uppercut and he uppercuts the head off, mm. but then the head would just fly off three times. So in like um, MK11, they gave him that, but they just say they say it's a movie, and he like uppercuts mm. try to take the head off, and like it goes wrong. And he's like, cut, 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 cut. Okay, reset. Does it? So he does it three times. <laughs> and he's like, who hired this guy? Mm-hmm. He's so good. Oh. oh, there's a fly in the building. So you see me like doing that. That's, that's like, so, see it just flying around you. Is it a fly though? Is it a bee? Oh, God, it's a I bee. It's, it's, oh, like God, on, it's, the bee. it's on your shoulders, I think. No, no, don't say it's on my shoulders. It's not, is it? It was for a second. Where'd it go? Okay, I'm, not gonna, be, I'm not going to be able to work with that thing Carl's in the house. getting attacked. I'm going to have to go get that, so give me a sec. Okay, so we're back. You know, the crisis of the, the bee has been averted. Actually, it was a wasp, I think, it was. The, the long, thin body, not the big, fat, fuzzy body. Mm-hmm. Like, I, see, I never see bees anymore. I just see <laughs> wasps, and I don't like it. But we'd like to end on some trivia about Mr. Johnny Cage. Of course. Okay, so, just general trivia about Johnny Cage. Like, though the Mortal Kombat franchise is notorious for placing the letter C with K, Cage is a notable exception. It's like one of the only ones, and it's um, uh, John Calton, Cage's real name, comes from a Midway Games programmer who worked on the popular arcade game NBA Jam. Oh, yeah. They worked on N, which is still a fantastic game, and they need to bring it back. Yeah, like, I've got the um, the kind of remix version of, like, on the 360, still, uh, you know, one, once a year, maybe, I'll mm-hmm. crack out just... With a mate of just oh the like the NBA Jam on Fire Edition or whatever it was and yeah it's so good just I I, I absolutely love it and the fact that you can just be like fuck it I'm gonna be like Bill Clinton and just do like the on fire dunk from like half court the thing it's is they great. couldn't they couldn't make it today because like I wouldn't want modern politicians in it like I think it was kind of wholesome when you got like you know Bill Clinton dunking on his wife, but I don't want to see Donald Trump in a game. No, I don't want to see like Mitch McConnell just like freeze halfway through the match and not know where he is. Yeah, that'd be a hell of a gimmick, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> I still love that one as well of like just the onion who never miss of just like Mitch McConnell. He reveals that Mitch McConnell froze because he imagined a black person being happy. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Anyway. <laughs> Ah, so Brandon Lee was originally cast as Johnny Cage for the first movie, but unfortunately died before filming began. Which would have been like, you know, a nod to um uh, like, you know his his dad, like Bruce Lee. He's like, you know, an inspiration for Johnny Cage part of Johnny Cage's moveset. Mm. Um in the first film, after Cage defeats Scorpion, a photo signed to my greatest fan lands in the debris, a nod to his friendship. <laughs> and I love that that's a thing that keeps coming back. I mean, like signing stuff, and like in the mm-hmm. new game, like one of his like things to between it's the cameo system. Yes. Sometimes, like your cameo character runs in with a sign saying "I love Johnny Cage." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everyone loves Johnny. Ah, <sighs> so uh, he's mentioned in the dialogue between Sub Zero and Green Lantern in Injustice Two, which they do a lot, and I like that they do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love is when they do it, and you get those people in the comments going. Did you know that's a reference? To- yeah, we know they own both games. <laughs> oh, and then um, any particular game you want to hear trivia about? So we've got like you know, all of his appearances, but we have like trivia for Deadly Alliance, Deception, Mortal Kombat 2011, Mortal Kombat X, 11, and 1. So you mentioned uh, Injustice. Was he not in Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe? 
Uh, it seems like he may have been, but he's not listed. There's no trivia for it. There's no trivia about it. Okay. Um, give us some MK9 trivia then. Okay. So MK9 trivia. Um, there's only a little bit here. Um, he okay. Originally, he used a, vari- a vari- variant of Molina's X-ray move before it was changed with his infamous split punch. Oh, right. Okay. And then just like some of the stuff. Enough. But then we have... Ooh. This is the one that looks a bit juicier than MK9 then. There is like Mortal Kombat... 11 let's go for that because i think let's that's like the that, last yeah. appearance where people like recognizing from because that's where you just get two cages you get cage rage so johnny cage's fatality is called mr cage's neighborhood a loving tribute <laughs> to sesame street and mr rogers neighborhood where he rips their torso off and uses it like a um uh, a puppet oh no yeah that's the thing I talk about, like, I don't like the fatalities in Mortal Kombat anymore because the no. more characterization they give characters, the less I want to see them horribly murder each other. So when you have, like, I- pre-fight banter between Johnny Cage and, like, Sonya Blade, who are married, and, like, another sparring match, honey, and then he rips her face off and kicks her through a car window, it's like, I don't like that. And also just, I really don't like the idea that there are many, many people on, like, you know, the animation team and stuff that have to go to therapy after working on the games yeah. because they were forced to look at real-life footage of people getting like beheaded and stuff for reference. So I think they should go back and make it more cartoonish. Like, the cameo-like mm-hmm. fatalities, for example, are all really dumb. Like, Cyrax just blows up the world. I, I get, I mentioned it earlier, bring back friendships. And that's what they did put in. But I'd prefer it if they were just an option. Like they, had the, they, they used to make Mortal Kombat where they had the option to unlock blood. An option to not have fatalities like <laughs> the you know, anti-blood code you know, i mentioned like rips earlier like you know he's a really mm-hmm. cool dude like a really great content creator he's done a lot of work for people who play this game he mm-hmm. can't make money off his content because the because game is too violent to monetize. fatalities yeah yeah well obviously and then people complain if you don't do fatality at the end of the match it's like but i don't mm-hmm. make money if this appears on screen yeah so i i think he's, i was watching one of his videos the other day he's like you know i need to keep the lights on it's like he has to cut away from fatalities and brutalities. It's like, we want to see him. Like, I can't. I, I need to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, Johnny Cage, one of six announcers in Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, the others are Kronika, Shao Kahn, Raiden, and Robocop. And uh, if you win, if you get his, he has a nickname for every character. Like when you like fight, pick like um, Sub-Zero, he's like, Grand Blueberry Ice. <laughs> It's it's so dumb, isn't it? Um, In an early beta of MK11, while previewing Johnny's belt buckle in the cosmetics section, um, Cage will look down briefly, and when the camera pans to his belt, his left hand will show an OK sign. So he would play the game with each other finger game. Mm. He was changed to flipping the bird instead in later versions, because that just became one of his things. He just flips everyone off all the time. Of course. Yeah. Uh, If Johnny is selected with his ninja mime outfits... Um, do they have those little like character moments where you like selecting their gear? Um, oh yeah. If he's got the Ninja Mime outfit on, he pretends to be in a box. Because <laughs> like, isn't that um, that's one of his successful film franchises, isn't it? In the Mortal yeah. Kombat universe, is Ninja Mime? Yeah, they say like one of the only films that is like done well is Ninja Mime, and I love as well the tagline is "He's silent and deadly." <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> do you know what my favorite is though? I. In, because of like the age of like the newer games, I always have all this like pre-fight banter. You find mm-hmm. out like characters actually secretly like his movies. Like in MK11, you find out that um, uh, like Fujin really likes Johnny Cage movies, and he's like actually like really excited to meet him. He's like, "I love your movies, Johnny Cage." He's like, wow, well, God watches my movies. 
That's pretty awesome. But then, speaking of which, though, so characters who've seen his movies include Cyrax, who dislikes them, um, specifically <laughs> saying that he felt robbed after seeing Ninja Mine. Cabal expresses a similar dislike for them in Mortal Kombat 11. Tremor, on the other hand, openly enjoys Cage's films, declaring his excitement before fighting him in Mortal Kombat X. And Fujin admits to being a fan in MK11, despite finding Cage himself insufferable. I, I, I mean, love that. That translates to the real world a lot, doesn't it? Like, I like your movies, but you're an awful fucking person. You're just a prick. But just, I just, <laughs> that's the thing. He's, like, he's such a prick, but the amount of like, just he loves it. That's it. He owns it so much, mm-hmm. and the fact that now he's like, he is just the fourth wall breaking character. Every single one of his lines is just a reference to a movie. So it's like you know, of as course. a movie buff myself, watching him is like, I get what you're saying. Carl, did you know that that was a reference to RoboCop? Yeah. So I'm just going to look up now just Johnny Cage movies so we can just go through them to end on. Because there's not like a section just saying what movies he's been in. Yeah, so Johnny Cage um, movie list. See if we can find all the movies that he's been in. So there's a YouTube video on it, but I don't want to watch that. I wonder how much, if we zoom in on Carl's eyes right now, we can see his like, browser history. Okay, so we've got category, movies... Featuring Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat universe, and it says that they are generally made and written by Johnny Cage himself. <laughs> so he writes and directs and stars in his own movies. Normally, as well, they say that after he's like gone into Mortal Kombat tournament, he just makes a movie out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. So we have Ninja Mine, Ninja Mine Two, Ninja Mine Three, Ninja Mine Four, Ninja Mine Five, which is halted during production. There is Dragon Fist, Dragon Fist Two. Son of Dragon Fist, Hawaii, Sudden Violence, Aquatic Assault, Exiting the Dragon of Death, The Seven Poisons, Cage Match, The Gist of My Fist, 24 <laughs> Karate Gold, Wushu, Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3, not to mention Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, which is one of his endings, Mortal Kombat The Death of Johnny Cage, cancelled after his resurrection, Caged Rage, Ninja Priest, which Kano claims Cage stole his likeness for. Massive Strike, <laughs> Every Dog Has Its Day, Iron Claw, Citizen Cage, which is like his biopic. That's Tommy, great. Tommy Scissor Fists, World's Most Wanted, Fly High, The Power Rangers. <laughs> you got caged, you got saved. Striker, I was just doing my job, cancelled. Oh, no. <laughs> Break Nose Mansion. Or Break Nose Mountain, a spoof of Broke uh, Bro- Back Mountain. The mm. Exterminator, a spoof of the Terminator inspired by his experiences with Devorah. Fatal Infinity. Easy Die, a spoof of Die Hard. Ass Kick, a spoof of Kick Ass. A TV commercial for Cage Cologne. The Flesh Pit, something he commented to be horrible. The Chosen One, the Temple of Kataravala. So he's pretty prolific in the Mortal Kombat yeah. universe. That's quite a lot of movies, and I can't wait for. His new movie of Liu Kang stole my family. But the best bit is though, it's just I love the idea of like just the gist of my fist. That some of them are really good puns. Some yeah. of them are awful, but on purpose awful. Like yeah, yeah. And I love the yeah. idea like just he made Citizen Cage. That's great. But That's so good. The more they lean into him being a bad actor, the funnier it gets. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Yeah, that's uh, Jonathan Carlton. The thing is, I want to know if Citizen Kane exists in the Mortal Kombat universe. Because if not, 
that that pun doesn't make any sense, and it's just a really bad biopic about a really bad actor. But the thing is, though, because he has like the um, uh, was it now the fourth wall awareness? Maybe mm-hmm. he knows what Citizen Kane is and ripped it off. Yeah, but then no one else would get it. It'd be an inside joke to just himself. Oh yeah, it makes sense. Which I, I, I can't put past Johnny Cage. It's like get wrecked. Just Johnny Cage. But yeah, if you enjoy, you know, but it's two very different wikis this week. <laughs> but you know, which one was your favourite, folks? And let us know by letting us know in the comments or by way of like social media posts at one of our links um, found below of which wiki won this week. It's girl power versus boy power this week. It's it's girl power, girl power versus cage rage. <laughs> the thing is, though, the Spice Girl sounds like a movie Johnny Cage is starring. He definitely would. He'd be <laughs> in Spice World. And Johnny Cage sounds like the name of a member of a boy band. Oh, I don't want to know what our boy band is. Johnny Cage. Just think, like, you know, okay then. Like, which character... To be fair, I was about to say which characters in Mortal Kombat could make, like, a, a boy band. It's like, well, obviously, it's the ninjas. Yeah. Just yeah. Scorpion, Sub-Zero, um, uh, Reptile, and Smoke. All of the dance moves can be fighting moves. Yeah, just the Lin Kuei. Let's go. <laughs> Let us know which which character each of the Spice Girls would voice badly in Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's Victoria Beckham could make a pretty good Natara. <laughs> I can see it. Oh, uh, God. Cheers, everybody. Yeah, thank you for watching slash listening. <laughs>